RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 2, Episode 9, Gene Roddenberry Memo to Fred Freiberger, July 10th, 1968. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek background fans, Star Trek aficionados, and yes, all you Trekophiles spelled with an F. We've got a, a wonderfully insightful memo here, a, a lovely little find we found uh, going through the files today. You may think you know the story of the origins, <laughs> the on-site origins of the beloved Vulcan pendant, the Idic, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. But we found a little clue to an earlier, to an earlier beginning for that pendant back in the third season of the original series. Take a listen to this fragment of the document that you can find right on our page at Facebook, The Trek Files, and I'll be right back with this week's guest. Suggests that the Vulcan medallion can be handled in the epilogue of Spock's brain in the following manner. Epilogue opens with Uhura and possible appropriate others, making a presentation to Spock of a boxed item from the junior officers of the vessel, which they have made up to show their delight that Spock has been brought back to life. Spock, of course, will immediately and characteristically object that this display of emotionalism is illogical and so on, but the gift is pressed upon him. He opens the box and is genuinely surprised to see the medallion, a Vulcan Idic, which has great meaning to all Vulcans, like the cross to Christians and similar symbols of other religions and creeds. Just scan this document for a second. Um, <laughs> now, some of you smarties may think you know that the Idic was introduced to audiences in uh, the third season episode, Is There in Truth No Beauty?, Famously worn by Spock on his dress uniform and explained to uh, Miranda Jones and everyone at the table, Is There in Truth No Beauty was the fifth episode aired in the third season. It was the seventh one produced. And look at this. Look at this memo here. Uh, we suddenly have not only a lost would-be scene from Spock's brain, but we have Gene's original intended introduction for the Idic. It's just a, it's a, it's a multiple layer of uh, surprises, isn't it, John? John Champion is back with us this week. You all know him from Mission Log and Mission Log Live. Um, this is a nice little nugget of unknown history, isn't it, John? It's, it's not just early. It's July of 1968. Season 2 has just gone off the air, uh, what, a month, six weeks before, mm -hmm. something like that. So we're, we're in development here of Season 3, and Gene's already thinking about what elements he will be able to influence on Season 3 now that there's a new uh, executive producer in town, Mr. Fred Freiberger. It's kind of cool that uh, that he's... You know, we, we hear about the crass commercialism of the mm -hmm. Idic to get that in there, to sell to people through the uh, Lincoln Enterprises <laughs> catalog. Um, but th this is, I, I don't know, how, how do you take it? Do you take it as crass commercialism? Do you take it as uh, uh, a bit of inspiration? Can both of those things coexist? Oh, I don't know, in the true sense of Idic? <laughs> well, we've already seen in an earlier episode where... Uh, um, Fred and Freiberger, Freddie, is, mm -hmm. is calling out plaintively for whatever else, uh, what other criticisms are heaped on Freiberger as the years have gone by about what he did to the third season of the show or what he was able to do in a vacuum with so many cards stacked against him. 
we had the, we've got this idea that he was calling out to Gene, whose attention was already elsewhere. So on one hand, it's heartening to see Gene actually communicating with Fred here. Yeah, right. That's good. And yeah, and famous and Leonard Nimoy talks about in his in in uh, I'm not Spock that he rejected it that way. I think that's where we first got our vibe about it being a, a crass commercial, right? Uh, another item that the the burgeoning Lincoln Enterprises could sell in the catalog. But I, there's a lot of heartfelt. You, by the time you get back over to Gene's initial words here on page two of this document, mm-hmm. of course it's in it's in canon as Spock's explanation in "Is There in Truth No Beauty?" But here it's we've got Gene's actual um, the meaning of the circle and the triangle, yeah. um, the whole the whole the whole Idic philosophy just spelled out in some slightly different wording here that Gene's putting through. It's obvious he did put some thought into this. This yeah, was not something he just dreamed up one day to, to make a buck. He, he's being specific enough to say that the, these two incongruous uh, shapes, these two incongruous figures come together to make a, a wholly unique piece. And and that is, I, I love his very last line here, that Ittik represents an idea of universal brotherhood far beyond that represented by any other symbol we know of. Maybe speaking a little grand, but... He's he's leaving it open to interpretation just enough. He says the the triangle and the circle are different enough. They they represent different things, mm-hmm. and they represent a creation uh, of something new. It's really it's thoughtful, and he's giving uh, Freddie and presumably Leonard Nimoy, who will have to uh, give the speech about it, some freedom of interpretation. Um, but he's he's clearly giving it thought. What I really like here is that the scene he describes. Mm-hmm is so very Star Trek. I mean, he, he talks about the junior officers, which I don't know why we would have to have the junior officers there, but he talks about having the officers there, and then Kirk and McCoy sort of breaking in with ship's business, but Spock won't shut up because he's clearly emotionally right. moved by this thing, and that prompts the line of McCoy saying that he wishes he had not reconnected Spock's mouth. Well, right, and, yeah. and and there are several things occur to me here. Mm-hmm. Number one, the, I think the reason there's junior officers, junior officers included is because remember, let's he's writing this as a tag scene for Spock's brain, yeah. which the episode is all about Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Scotty, right? And we we don't see uh, at, the juniors are left on the bridge or on the surface, right? Right. And then the last three fourths of the episode, we don't see them. So, in a way, it's a way to bring them back and give them another scene. But also, it's it's the perfect Spock joke where he plays with the fact that uh, Vulcans are tight lipped, yeah. and that he's rambling on, and they're and they're playing it straight straight lace. So yeah, it is a great little little Star Trek moment. Even giving check off the business of, uh, and this is where it takes it to another level. Mm-hmm. Getting back to the Vulcans don't say everything that they know, right? Yeah. So Chekhov yeah. has to go. It's not like yeah, they yeah. run around. It's not like Vulcans do the Chek- the Russian joke of Chekhov, where everything was invented by Russia, <laughs> right. and he right. will tell you that every two minutes. Yeah. You know, uh, Spock and Vulcans are tight-lipped, and so he had to dig deep to find out what this, where if he just watched, you know, reruns of Enterprise, he would have seen well, idicts on everything. Well, so, that, so that's the thing. It's like you, you can make this joke in 1968, or you can make this statement about Vulcans in 1968. Right. And the idic. And the idic. You fast forward 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and... We pretty much know everything there is to know about Vulcans because we know everything there is to know about Vulcans. They do this, they do this, they don't do this, they don't do this. I mean, I, I would say probably more than any other race in Star Trek, maybe other than the Klingons, 
you know, uh, we species. species. Yeah, species. yeah, yeah. We we know we know everything about Vulcans and their beliefs and uh, how, how near and dear the Itic is. And, and I, I actually love. I you know we mentioned Enterprise that in Enterprise and that Vulcan trilogy at the beginning of mm-hmm. season four, you actually get a really nice read of the symbology of the Itic. Right. And, and I thought it was particularly nice because it's done in such a. a just sort of a casual and and really grounded and honest way. You know, we, we don't stop and swell up the music or anything. They're <laughs> trapped in this cave, and, and here's this sort of rogue Vulcan who's not quite like the others, and we don't know why yet. Right. And he, he explains the symbology to, uh, right. to Archer. So it all comes full circle. And they and in that trilogy, they actually expand the, the symbology of the Itic Pendant to say that the mm-hmm. triangle is Mount Salea, yeah. and the circle is the Enlightenment Right. That right. Uh, Sirach gained I from the that. top of that. Then he came down with the, the tablets and the burning bush. Oh, wait. Different, <laughs> different, different religion. Yeah. Different, yeah. different culture. Yeah. No, I, but again, getting back to how crass a move was this by Gene, he spends mm-hmm. this long paragraph talking about the meaning and the beauty and what's happening with it, and then a full page working it into the story. And yeah, giving him, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, uh, so apparently that last line, why did I ever reconnect his mouth, is in Survives. It, but yeah, you yeah. can tell. This obviously was probably a year for both because that last line is there, but it's all done. They, he just sits up on the bed, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. down in the iMorgs cavern. Right. And they do the final scene, the tag scene, and they do the little joke laugh at the end. Uh, but it's all in that one scene. There's no return to the ship. You know, for right. a standard right. standard action. One last thing here. Yeah. Look at that date. Yeah. July tenth, sixty eight. So in terms of Star Trek, yes, it's early in the third season. They've barely stopped airing. They barely ended the second season's airings. But pull back and think in the meta world, July tenth. That's about a month after Bobby Kennedy's assassination. Oh, it sure is. Yeah, and that's only yeah, about yeah. what three months since April, May, June, July yeah. since Dr. King's. Dr. King. Mm-hmm. So sixty-eight was turning into the year from hell. Yeah. I don't know where the Democratic convention and the Chicago riots were just around the corner here. Yeah, um, and the the year had turned very ugly. Yeah, and very uh, so even beyond Star Trek's basic message of. Star Trek's basic message of inclusion and diversity and respect. Gene ending his um, paragraph about the symbology here about universal brotherhood. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of takes on a little more weight in context when you realize what everybody working on the show was was dealing with and reeling from. Very true. At and, that moment. And can we just address really quickly at the end of the memo? Uh, it, it's signed G R. Well, it, it's you have the initials mm-hmm. G R, but we have GR slash AD. Do we have any guess as to who AD is in Gene's office who would have uh, I'm, taken this I'm note? trying to think who that would have been. It's not Andy. Uh, oh, it's probably... Uh, no, it's not Andy. Yeah. It's um, it's Anita Doohan, I bet. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah. You scared me for a second, and then it popped <laughs> yeah, in. <right>. Yes. <laughs> That's very cool. So uh, keep keeping it all in the family here, as it were. So yes, Itic pins did uh, soon find their way into the the early days of the the Star Trek Enterprises, which quickly became Lincoln Enterprises, and mm-hmm. of course today is Roddenberry dot com. Right. But um, it was not something that Gene just dashed off the top of his head. And now that I think about the timing, I can see why issues of heightening what was already known about Star Trek to a higher degree and using the Vulcans as the as the lens there. Well, and I think this also speaks to something that, you know, 
there are two extremes uh, of of how much influence Gene had on things. You know, the, there's the one sort of uh, conventional wisdom that after season two and, and even into season two, he just had nothing to do with the show and and really kind of washed his hands of it. Um, and, and then there's the, the other sort of belief that is incorrect that what would Gene just had his hands in everything, which is not correct. It's a very collaborative environment. Mm-hmm. Um, this I, I, I enjoy this because, A, we're going into the third season, and B, it shows still a level of care. Yeah, it might be crass commercialism, but it shows a level of care about context and presentation and about character. He gets his characters. He gets the mm-hmm. dynamic. He gets that classic Star Trek epilogue where there's a little button on the moment and you sort of make a joke between that triumvirate of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy it it all actually sums up very. I, I kind of would have liked to have seen this moment. I would I would really love to have seen this moment. Yeah. I, and again, this is this is the sixth episode out of the twenty whatever four five. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Justman hasn't left yet. I mean, the mm-hmm. third season hasn't deteriorated into what we or hasn't crumbled to a lesser right, version right. of itself. So there's still a freshness and a newness about the third season. Um, the world hasn't changed yet. And it's again, it's worth noting that this scene obviously didn't make it in the scene nor the Idic introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened in the next show. They yeah. shot in Truth No Beauty next, and it was like, "You will wear this and get it in." Nice. Uh, nice. So yes, Gene was still having some impact on the yeah. show at that. Yeah, point. for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, John, thanks for being uh, back with us again for to uncover another little bit of uh, Trek history here. And My pleasure. We, we will see you soon. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at larrynemichek.com. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.